Please be seated. Today is Trinity Sunday, and usually sermons today focus on the concept of the Trinity and what it has to say about God. But in the last two weeks, we have heard two powerful sermons, one from Simon and one from Andy, about things that are very wrong in our world, specifically gun violence and racism. On the news, we saw a graphic film of crowds breaking into the Capitol on January 6th and heard the first person testimony of a police officer who was injured. Others have talked to me about Roe v. Wade and what that if it's overthrown, what that might mean for poor women. And still others are concerned about homelessness, something we see daily, even on our block. Ukraine, inflation, pandemics, monkeypox. There are many more fears and concerns. This is a picture of a world of fear, hatred, and violence. It's a world where peace and justice seem to be hard to find. And how can we possibly deal with all of this? Where is God in this picture? And who cares about the nature of the Trinity? when there is so much evil that frightens and distresses us? Those are the questions I've been struggling with this week. And then I was led to reframe the question. What resources, especially spiritual resources, does God give us to deal with this mess? And that led me back around to the Trinity. Years ago, I read a book by Ari Nowen the Dutch priest, theologian, and teacher, called Behold the Beauty of the Lord. Nowen's book is about praying with icons, and the first one he talks about is this one, the icon of the Trinity. It was written by Andrew Rublev in 1425. Rublev doesn't care about doctrine. He's showing us the internal life of God and what it means to us. So what does he show? First, he depicts the Trinity as three angels, three divine angels. They each have wings, but they also have halos. And he tells us that community is very much a part of the nature of God. Three in one means there's both strength and support in acting in community. Now, in our family, when somebody went off on his or her own to do something, for instance, somebody would say, this room is a mess. I've got to clean it up. Nobody's helping me, but I'm going to clean it up anyway. Does that sound familiar? Well, we used to call him the Lone Ranger. Now, most of you are too young to remember the Lone Ranger. But... <laughs> It was a TV program, and it was about a Texas Ranger who did not operate as part of the troop of Rangers, but would sweep in by himself, masked, and bring the bad guys to justice. We would remind the Lone Rangers in our family that though he was lone, he was not alone. He had a sidekick, Tonto. 
So even he wasn't saving the world all by himself. Now the second thing that Rublev shows in the icon is the Trinity sitting around a table and they're looking at each other. This one represents the Father, the middle one is Jesus, the Son, and the third is the Holy Spirit. And our scriptures tell us that God is love. So in that community of love, there is peace and rest, but it is not some closed circle of mutual admiration. Through the cross and resurrection, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, to all who choose to accept and believe, we have access to God, access to what Nowen calls the circle of love. And that access is based on prayer. Nowen says prayer takes place where the heart of God is united with the heart of the one who prays. When we pray and we give ourselves to God, in this way, we take up the invitation to join in that circle of love. And in it, we find safety and peace, rest and strength. We find ourselves at home, surrounded and protected by the love of God. Inevitably, though, the world must be faced and lived in. But that time with God gives us a sense of security, a knowledge that God is with us when we go back. In the Gospel of John, Jesus talks about his disciples being in the world, but not of the world. And this is what happens when we accept the invitation of the Trinity. In one of the parishes where I was rector, there was a man who felt that he could run the church better than I could. And he was gonna to try to do that. So he volunteered for all the important committees and eventually was elected to the vestry, where he opposed me and my ideas at every turn. And it was hard not to be reactive, not to base what I was doing on what he was doing. So what I did was I got a great big candle and each morning when I went to the office, I lit it and put it on the table. And it was the first thing you saw when you came into the office. And it was the first thing I saw when I looked up from my desk. It reminded me that God was present in that place. And God was present in everything that went on there. And it reminded me that my job was to stay focused on the work God had given me and not to mess, the, and not on the mess that surrounded me. Now and again puts it this way, the more we pray, the more fully we understand how to be committed to the struggle for justice and peace in the world while remaining at home in God's love. Now the third thing Rublev shows us in the icon and I'm sure you probably can't see it, but there's a very small box here. It's smaller than my fingernail. And it's an opening in the bottom of the table around which the Father, Son, and Spirit sit. It is the place where the relics of martyrs were put. And it is the way in 
but it's a way that can also mean suffering. Let's face it, the struggle for justice and peace, dealing with all the mess, as I'm calling it, is hard. Many of you can celebrate Pride Month, for instance, because you know from personal experience what it was like to fight for the acceptance of LGBTQI plus persons, a fight that's still ongoing. The way into the circle of love was made possible by the obedience, suffering, and sacrifice of Jesus. And in today's lesson, Paul tells the Romans what that means. Paul Achmeyer, in his commentary on Romans, summarizes it this way. Now that we have been set right with God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and hence are at peace with God, we may in addition have confidence in our hope for the future. Our present status in God's grace is such that we can even maintain that confidence in the face of adverse reality. Indeed, God's grace is so powerful that even things that work against such confidence and hope only serve to strengthen it. It's easy to fall into depression and despair over the problems of our world and the things that are going on in our own lives. But if you're going to be a part of the solution to these things, in the tr Trinity, God has shown us a better way. Don't be a lone ranger. Make sure you have at least one sidekick. Pray by offering yourself and your heart to God and be open to being in the world, but not of it. And don't be afraid of suffering and of disappointment. While it's certainly not fun to go through, it can lead you to hope and the knowledge of the love of God that is present wherever you are. Let us pray. O God of peace, who taught us that in returning and rest we shall be saved, in quietness and confidence will be our strength. By the might of your spirit, lift us, we pray to your presence, where we may be still and know that you are God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.